some episodes may contain adult themes or explicit language. Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we are joined by writer Shane Page, who is currently publishing a blog about Mother 3, which is a follow-up to the cult classic Earthbound. If you'd like to support the show, you can always buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. So what's up, Brett? What's going on this week? How hey, you doing? How's it going? Doing great. And yourself? Awesome. I'm well. Good. Um, as as we said, we are joined this week by Shane Page, uh, who runs a blog on the Mother 3 game specifically, not the Mother th- series at large. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, okay. the blog is Mother 3 specific. Yeah. So, um, so just real quick to, to get it out of the way... You were introduced to us through our uh, friend, a mutual friend of ours, Chris Crabtree, who's actually been on the show earlier this year for for our listeners. Uh, he reviewed Ghost of Tsushima with us, a PlayStation oh, cool. Four game. Cool. Um, but yeah, so so Chris had introduced you to us and and kind of shared your blog. And um, I have to admit, I don't know anything about the Mother series. Um, <laughs> I do like JRPGs. Okay, nice. Um, nice. Um, so I think that's cool. And I and I and so I get that part of it. But honestly, going and looking at your blog and, and reading through some of your blog posts, I, I can see where it just seems like a game that's got way more under the hood than maybe is <laughs> would be obvious just yeah, at a glance. Definitely. Uh man, I mean, it's hard to know where to start with with, yeah. with the uh, mother series, which by the way, so in in Japan they're called mother. In America, they're called Earthbound. Uh, so mm-hmm. if I tend to kind of jump between those, uh, that's what's going on there. Um, yeah. Well, so I don't mean to interrupt you, but but I do I do want to establish it because I'm actually a little confused. So yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe just just walk us through. You know, doesn't you don't have to get into depth on the other two the two previous titles, but where, what is the the process? Because the first one's on NES, is that right? Yes. So the first game uh, came out in 1989 um, right. on the NES, and in Japan, it's called Mother. Uh, the second game came out in 1994 in Japan. Uh, it's called Mother 2. And the third game, Mother 3, uh, came out in 2006 in Japan uh, and has wow. never been officially localized in uh, America. So the way that I'm playing Mother 3 is that it became pretty clear uh, after Mother 3 came out that Nintendo of America was never going to localize the game. Uh, they, they still might someday. I'm kind of holding on hope that they will. Um, right. But the thing is, it was a 2006 Game Boy Advance game. So the yeah. Nintendo DS was already out. Um, I think it was the last game that came out for the Game Boy Advance in uh, Japan. So wow. right. not a lot of market for like an obscure RPG. Um, I could definitely go through the history of the Mother series, and maybe I will uh, today. But um, sure. the, the way that I'm playing it is that some fans got together um, and they localized the entire game. And I, I want to say Mother 3 has around 200,000 lines of text uh, in it. Um, wow. A lot Oof. of that's dialogue. A lot of it is enemy-specific, you know, battle scenarios. Uh, there is so much in the game. So I would not even be able to play it if those fans hadn't gotten together and translated the entire thing. That's awesome. Um, as far as the English games, so 
I told you about Mother 2, which had come mm-hmm. out in 1994. Uh, in 1995, that game came out in America as Earthbound. Um, and that was the only title that the United States even knew um, oh, until mm-hmm. 2015, uh, Nintendo released the original Mother um, as Earthbound mm-hmm. Beginnings. Which, right. honestly, now. yeah, they'd kind of been sitting on the ROM since since the 90s. They, they had technically right. localized the original Mother game. They just didn't release it because the Super Nintendo was coming out. You can see mm-hmm. a bit of a trend here. Every time another <laughs> game is coming out, there's no market for it. So. Right. Yeah, so that's kind of a quick and dirty history of uh, the, the Mother series. Well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I've got a, a, a little bit of experience with uh, translated ROMs. I think we've spoken. So it, it's been a while if we if I have shared that story. But uh, I when I was in junior high, uh, I was very early to the emulation game and kind of the Internet game in, in general. Like we had a 14.4 dial up modem you know, pretty <laughs> early on. And and uh, but you couldn't you couldn't use that to download games, you know, like there was nothing that you could download a hundred megabyte game, which would still be small for, for the time that time was still something far out of reach of downloading on the internet. But you could, I, I discovered, you know, kind of game boy ROMs and that's uh-huh. something that, and I, and I being somebody that never owned a Nintendo system until way later, uh, it was like, oh, I, can, I maybe I can have a chance to go through and play some of these. Well, of course, a lot of them outside of like Tetris and Kirby <laughs> are like just kind of there's a lot of bad original Game Boy games. And yeah. uh, <laughs> but I did stumble across a uh, a I got into like some translated stuff and I stumbled across uh, Pocket Monsters. Nice. And it was a translated version of Pokemon Blue. Uh, red and blue because it's labeled as pocket monsters one and two um but it was red and blue which they're you know essentially the same um but it was and it was kind of a rough translation there was a lot of uh there was a lot of rock dude and electric mouse and bulb dinosaur um (laughs) and a lot of just rough translations i i actually didn't know it was like angled as a kid's game really Mm because there wasn't like you're a 10 year old leaving it's just you're a kid or a person in the house and like so uh, when the when the official release came and everybody was like super into it i was like oh i know this i recognize all this of course i'm like 16 now i'm like (laughs) oh yeah i know all of these things i don't know they're these are some new names but i i know all of the about this and i was like yeah this is way kids time ah <laughs> oh, man you were on pokemon before basically anybody in the yeah, united it was States. really it, and it's hard a lot of people like no nah, but it was like yeah i didn't have anything else to do we couldn't yeah. we, didn't, we didn't i didn't have a very big allowance and downloading game boy roms was yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so inter- it's it's so wild to think now of the scope of platforms that we've had through, through time because when you when you said mother three was on two th- released in 2006 you know i've seen screenshots and, and even a, a gameplay video that you had uploaded to youtube i had checked out some of and it does not look like a game i mean halo 3 came out in 2007 right like <laughs> yeah, right yeah. mother three does not look like that but then you're like oh game boy advance and it's like wow that's crazy that that was still around then but i mean that makes sense i just mm-hmm. i i I don't think of that as the same era. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, I will say, so my my YouTube videos are of the original Mother. Um, mm. But Mother 3, it's very colorful pixel art, but it's nothing, you know, crazy. Um, actually, yeah. it's it's kind of funny. So you, you were mentioning, Brett, uh, Pokemon. 
the the original pocket monsters um so that whole premise of the you know baseball cap protagonist heading out right. from home there's kind of a loose connection there to the original mother game uh so to give some history of some huh. jrpg stuff in like 1989 as you guys probably know the, the games that were out for rpgs are final fantasy and dragon quest right it's right. it's all medieval stuff uh, so the guy who made the original Mother, he was sick of that. And the, the first game and the second game take place in these contemporary settings. You're, you're a kid in a city. You don't fight, you know, dragons. You fight hippies. You fight aliens. <laughs> like, you, you do all this crazy stuff. Um, and if you look at the design, if you Google uh, Ninten uh, from the, the Mother series, he looks shockingly similar to the protagonist from the original Pokemon. Nice. And it's because some of the guys who helped work on the original Mother game ended up becoming the same team who worked on the original Pokemon game. That's awesome. Uh, uh, so it's I can see funny. that because it's it, it's the same thing, like especially for original Game Boy, the amount of depth of code, because like you look at like a, a I don't know, a James. I think there was a James Bond game on Game Boy and it was like four directions and a single bullet could be on yeah. the screen at a time and like one enemy and there's no story there's like maybe a couple hundred words total mm-hmm. in the game and then you go to 151 monsters with four moves each and full stat blocks <laughs> and it's like there's a surprising amount like the amount of data that they're stuffing on that cartridge yeah. is a lot and so and i can see that because knowing the the depth of while i haven't beaten earthbound i've i played a little bit of it it kind of came at the tail end of my jrpg run uh-huh. um but it has a lot of depth to it too and to do that on you know some of these older systems alongside you know kind of like you said final fantasy and whatnot that there's just so much there and so i could see that like some of that team moving over people that that know how to condense code and take really huge complex concepts and then make them algorithmic so that you can stuff them on a tiny little cartridge yeah well you said you played some earthbound um and walker you said you like uh jrpgs what is your guys' history with, with playing RPGs? Because I'm a huge RPG fan. Actually, I don't play that many new games. Um, so, yeah, what is your guys' history with, with JRPGs? Brett, I'll let you answer first. So, uh, specifically with JRPGs, uh, again, kind of... So, I missed the Nintendo era. So, uh, we went from a ColecoVision to an Atari to a PC um, very early. So... I got into PC gaming very early and then we just kind of stayed there because it was cheaper to maintain and kind of upgrade and, and get you know newer pieces to a PC and, and recycle old ones than it was for me to go get other systems. And if I go to a friend's house, I'm, you're not playing a 120 hour game. You're playing, <laughs> you know, Street Fighter or, you know, James Bond or, you know, things that can be done in, in localized settings. So it wasn't until... Uh, you know, once the internet kind of caught up and, you know, ROMs and emulation kind of got big that I went back and got, you know, a lot of SNES and NES style ROMs and played through some things that a lot of people had talked about. But then also, like, I'd known and seen a lot of like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles or Crystal Quest and uh, and like FF6 playthroughs and whatnot. So I was like, well, I'd like to play some of these others that I haven't seen anything of, but still hear good things. So I, I played through, tried to play a couple of the first Final Fantasies, but 
they're really rough around the edges. They're kind of so rough. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, good at like Final Fantasy four or five. Maybe. Yeah. So I, think I did. Four is where they first write a story. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's other than just ancient God is here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seven crystals and stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So I, I did play through and beat five, which to this day, the intro music and the dragon slash airship like the little drum that you wiggle back and forth and it, and it summons the dragon and that music, like all of that is like burned into my brain. <laughs> um, so that was the first one that I ever beat was Final Fantasy V. Uh, I went on to then... Actually, no, I take that back. I played through Secret of Mana first uh, because it was a little bit more real time and kind of accessible. And my friend said, well, if you want to play JRPGs, start with Secret of Mana. So I played through Secret of Mana. co-op too. Yeah, right, right. And mm-hmm. and at the time you could co-op on a PC as well, which was kind of nice to have a neighbor kid over and 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 have so just just do the magic. Just you do the magic part. I'll <laughs> <laughs> I'll charge weapons. But yeah, so I played through Secret of Mana, then um FF5 and then Chrono Trigger. And and we're talking like kind of back to back, like started burning <laughs> through them. Um not that back to back wasn't still like 6 weeks of playtime <laughs> after school. Uh, if not, maybe the whole summer. I don't know. Um, but after Chrono Trigger and crying at the end of that, I immediately dove into Earthbound. And that's kind of where the unfortunate thing happens of like I had played the entire summer. I don't know if it was just like going back to school the next year or yeah. like a Diablo 2 release on PC or something. I don't know. But <laughs> something happened in there where I was like, I can't do any more JRPGs right now. And it just kind of got sidelined for for a long while. So as far as my SNES playthrough, I think there's somewhere between 30 minutes and and like a couple of hours. I did play a bit of, uh, I think it's technically Seiken Densetsu 3, which is Secret of Mana 2 or something like that. But there was a rough translated version of Secret of Mana that was actually a sequel that was really, really good. I remember oh, a, a werewolf yeah, yeah. character that um, was awesome. I think that would be the third one. Which yeah, there is like some kind of werewolf character, <laughs> and that I remember you also transform like into a mouse and had to use that to get through some puzzles. And my memory is getting real rough at this spot, but we didn't beat that one. Safe to say either. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would say I I'm way less interesting uh, when it comes to my JRPG <laughs> experience. Um, so, and I don't even know this probably doesn't even really count as a JRPG. But the first RPG I remember playing on a console is actually a game called Shining Force on the Yo, Sega Genesis. Oh, Shining oh, wow. Force yeah. is so good. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it's great. I mean, Crabtree and I, uh, the guy I referred to at the very beginning of the show, um, I mean, we played it when we were little bitty kids. Um, I actually played it on the Sega channel. If anyone else is old enough that's listening wow. to remember what the Sega channel was. <laughs> I don't know. What is that? What is that? It was, it, it was like 30 years ahead of its time, legitimately. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was, so Sega partnered with cable companies around the United States and it was basically like like video game Netflix in the 90s like you your Sega connected to the cable TV service so it wasn't through Whoa. the internet and you then had just a library of titles you could select <laughs> and you play. had a TV channel that you went to outside yeah. of channel 3 for your AV converter but mm-hmm. that is so and- crazy Sega was literally shipping uh, discs with the data to all these data centers around the country, the cable companies, so that they could upload it. Like it was that manual of a process because there was no 
cloud or you know what i mean the things that yeah. exist now did um anyway so <laughs> yeah really really old um but yeah so i played shining force and and so it turns out shining force is a tactics game mm -hmm. which at that time i didn't understand these distinctions and i don't even know if they even existed really yet um similar to fire emblem yeah right, exactly yeah. But well, so the difference is, is that in those games, and I'll just speak to Shining Force because I, I haven't played every tactics game or something, but at least in Shining Force, it's like you're in a town and you're walking around, but then when you leave the town to go to the open world, I'm using air quotes, um, <laughs> if there's a fight, it is a predetermined encounter and it happens at the same place every time and it's the same enemies and they start in the same locations. And so to farm, like if you need to, you know, get some extra levels or money or whatever, you just flee the battle and then reload the same fight over and over. <laughs> um, so I remember the first time I played Final Fantasy because I played Shining Force and then went to Blockbuster or whatever and saw Final Fantasy. And I was like, oh, I like RPGs. I want to get this. And I was so put off by the random battle mechanic because uh. I didn't. I, I was like, this isn't how it works. I can't like, save scum. <laughs> yeah, like, walk out of the town and there's guys and I fight them or I don't, but there is no, the screen shatters and now I'm in a fight. And so I thought it was really confusing. Um, but anyway, so then it was, it was actually later, much later, but I, I eventually I played through Final Fantasy seven and this is where it's not interesting because I'm, I'm like the Starbucks uh, JRPG gamer, right? Oh, like, man, no, <laughs> I love Final Fantasy VII. I think it stands the test of time. I, I know the graphics look a little sus sure. now, but like, I think they're good. <laughs> I love that Among Us has made sus part of the <laughs> vernacular. <laughs> I love it so much. Anyway, um, yes, you're right. It does. Um, I played through Final Fantasy X. Um, I actually played just, it was maybe two years ago, three years ago, I played through Grandia 2. Um, which is a pretty popular JRPG from the PlayStation 2 era. Um, I did actually, on the Game Boy Advance, I played Golden Sun. I don't think nice. I actually beat it. I didn't but... beat it either. That was a solid game. Yeah, yeah. But so there's a little old school credential or something that's not just <laughs> Final Fantasy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm sure there have, there have been others that I've dabbled with here and there. Um, honestly, in the modern era, I was always really intrigued by the Persona titles. And yeah. finally got my hands on Persona Five, and I just, I just love it. Like I, I'm just oh, blown nice. away by the game that that is. Um, I've never. And I feel like, out. how would you, how would you describe those games? Oh man, it's it's a. Uh, so having not played Mother and only or and Mother Three specifically, and only knowing what little I've I've had a chance to read on your blog so far, but, um, I would say it's probably in the vein of that in in so much as that like it's just really crazy in the places it goes if, mm -hmm. if that and that's a really horrible way to explain it but it's just <laughs> the ideas that it presents and the um yeah just the, the whole thing and it it kind of turns a lot of tropes as you put it in, in the blog at least and maybe you hear it this evening but kind of tropes on their head because mm -hmm. it's set in a modern normal world like you're a high school kid in persona 5 who you know, you, you go to school every day and you have to answer questions in class on the on the on the fly or whatever. Right. And you go to your uncles or whoever he is coffee shop and you have to learn to make coffee. And you know what I mean? It's oh, nothing nice. about fighting <laughs> monsters. I mean, there's plenty of that, but yeah, it's not exclusively that. So it's kind of uh, what was Rockstar's game? Was it Bully? But then yeah. with with some sci fi or not some sci fi, but a little bit more fantasy JRPG in there. 
Yeah, I mean, so just to explain it, and I, I don't mean to go on and on about Persona 5, but to like basically what you're doing is your team of characters is finding characters. And so minor spoiler alert, it's the very first character villain <laughs> you encounter. So you know, whatever. Um, but you encounter real life villains. The first example being a it's very serious and dark. It's a high school volleyball coach who is sexually abusive with his players. Oh, right. Geez. So, yeah, I mean, he couldn't get more dark and serious or whatever. But instead of just like killing him, which is what me is like an action movie and probably an American or something. I'm like, yeah, kill that guy. Like, let's do it. No, like what you're actually doing is you're you're infiltrating his heart <laughs> to <laughs> to to like steal away this false image he has of himself so that he will see the monster that he is and then turn himself in and repent for his crimes Whoa. and like subject himself to jail. Like, so it's it's actually just like incredibly thoughtful and like wholesome like you know peace on forgiveness and 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 not just revenge and i don't know anyway again i don't mean to go on and on but it's no that's really interesting well no i mean that, yeah. that speaks a lot i i read an, an essay once um about kind of the differences between culture and video games and how it's expressed and like western video games a lot of the solution is through guns because the colonization of America was through guns, you know, and and our wars were thought, fought through guns and guns are actually kind of it, not necessarily our honor system, but like our judgment system. And in a lot of Eastern titles, there's a lot more ancient history and honor and swordplay. So a lot of their games ha end up having more kind of honorable or more uh, philosophical combat engines to them and I, I it's not like universally true but it, there's a lot to it i think as, as you kind of draw the the lines down where you can see that the culture does kind of influence the games that come out of that area oh yeah i mean you look at like a god of war and the way you solve a problem is you rip a monster's head in half or something mm -hmm. right yeah, I'm, i love god of war i'm not opposed to that right but yeah to see something where you're going in and like making someone see the monster that they are and i mean it's just mm -hmm. yeah just crazy but it, I, so being the limited JRPG player that I am, my my unnuanced take on it would be that it feels very much like it feels like the modernization of that genre. Persona 5. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, well, there, there's feels, uh, yeah. uh, something ahead, I, I would say to uh, Brett's point real quick that is really interesting. Uh, so, as I said, there's only three games in the in, in the Mother series. So the the villain of the first game is this alien that was raised mm. by by human parents and they and they raised him with love and everything but then one day his parents they either died or they disappeared uh so mm. he gets angry and he attacks earth uh the villain of the second game <laughs> is that alien personified as his own chaotic wrath basically and <laughs> he, he has this influence over animals and over humans and he's he's so angry but he's also so sad and uh mm. the kind of crazy thing is is the 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 villain was inspired by this traumatic memory that uh shigesato itoi he's the creator of the games he, he walked into this movie theater when he was a kid uh thinking he was going to see a movie and he went into the wrong theater and he ended up seeing this uh, rape scene 
in, in this movie and it oh, traumatized yeah. him. And yeah. uh, that's where his inspiration of this dark sort of angry, but also confused um, character comes from. The, the villain of the third game is a child who fell under the wrath of the villain of the second game. So it's sort of like this cyclical thing is you, you have these people who they're not really evil. They were just abandoned or they were misled and right. uh, they, they end up becoming these monsters that maybe they, they weren't always that way. Uh, Bambi so comes under the spiritual influence of her own grief while also falling in an irradiated pool and becomes, you know, Mecha Godzilla's worst. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that there's, I think that there's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, so that's the reason that I've always been um, kind of intrigued by not even just JRPGs specifically, but just Japanese games. And I don't love every Japanese game or something, but. Mm-hmm it just feels like there's a lot more exploration of emotional spaces as weird of a way as that is to say that, but like, mm-hmm. like with what we're talking about, I mean, there, there's like what you're saying, like there's this villain and it's like this pure evil and wrath and hatred. And yet simultaneously, it also is, is taking the time to reflect on. Yeah. But there's a reason for that. Like that is the, mm-hmm. the response to the sadness or whatever. Right. And it, yeah. It's a nuance that I think is lost in a lot of, again, you know, a God of War, right? Which I don't mean to just pick on that game franchise or something. I don't know why I thought of it even. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's not near. I mean, yeah, Kratos is sad because he was betrayed or whatever. But it's not it's not the same. It's all just anger and violence. And that is the end versus any further exploration of the psychological elements of it, I guess. You could right. Say. Well, and, and bad for the sake of bad instead of like evil as a as a source of redemption like that mm-hmm. that not everything that's evil is just there because it is evil the end like it's not all catholic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always i mean i always think of sauron in lord of the rings right, right. like it's just this eye that's just evil just because <laughs> that's what his function is i don't you know i don't know um and that's actually for me a lot harder to to relate to because that's not mm-hmm. how the world works well, yeah, and because everybody's experienced some kind of grief, some kind of anger, and maybe seen themselves as like, oh, well, if I were really a bad guy, I would be this kind of bad guy. And but I'm not. So, you know, but like then you like take that and if you can relate to it, like if things did get bad enough that you had no other choice and then circumstances fell apart and a one bad decision leads to another and now you're. Uh, an evil crystalline god overruling a galaxy like (laughs) (laughs) you're just stuck there you get stuck in a a, an endless spiral until some young kid comes and shows you the way you know right (laughs) so i mean we we kind of shared what our you know history with with rpgs or what we're you know what games we have experience with what about yourself outside of the mother series what else are you are you playing jrpg wise uh well, when I was growing up, I played a lot of the Final Fantasy games. Um, mm. I, I played some Dragon Quest here and there. I don't know that I ever finished them. Um, a, a series I really, really like. I don't, I don't really like the the newer iterations, but I love the Fire Emblem series. Mm. Um, there are actually two. Again, I'm talking about Japanese only games, but uh, it's all good. Uh, oh, hey, that's great. <laughs> so, Fire Emblem Four and Five. Um, are two Japanese exclusive games uh, that came out on the Super Nintendo, and hmm. there are there are pretty good fan translations of them. Um, but man, 
I'm surprised at how complex and deep these games are for coming out in like 1994 and 1997, I think, maybe 1998. Yeah. Um, they're just really, really solid games. I, I think what I like about Fire Emblem is when your characters die, they're dead for the whole game. Um, mm. you, you can choose to reset and bring them back, which is, I think, what most people do. Uh, but if anyone is listening to this podcast who plays Fire Emblem, I'm begging you, let your characters stay dead. It, it truly changes the experience. It makes it a lot more unique. Um, yeah. Uh, so th- those series are big ones for me. Um, man, I... I, I do like Western RPGs. I love Fallout New Vegas. I think that's yeah. like one of the best games I've ever played. Um, Fallout 3 was was great as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say I, I kind of hang out in that realm. Um, I, I play a lot of uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee. I don't yeah, know. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you guys know much about the competitive scene for, for Melee? I know uh, a fair bit. I followed Hungrybox for well, and that that was kind of more, uh, not melee, but what's the is what's the current one now? Ultimate. Oh yeah, Smash. Yeah, Ultimate. yeah. Because it, it kind of skipped a generation in there, and yeah. and but I I followed. I, I watched a documentary and then kind of started following Hungrybox. Some I knew a little bit about like kind of wave dashing and and yeah. dash canceling and things like that, but I, I'd never got into it i played and I, I played a lot but i never played at anything close to that level i just played for yeah. fun and to to kirby and samus it up but well did you guys hear about the drama going on today with uh melee oh no, no. I, I heard about like a few months ago there was some like some sexual deviant type oh, stuff yeah. going on that wait actually i think out. i did hear a little bit of stuff but it's, it, go ahead go ahead Okay, yeah. So, so basically, and I, I do want to get back to Mother Three and all that. Oh stuff. no, oh no, here. for sure. We'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so, there is this melee tournament uh, called the Big House, and it's been running for ten years. Uh, and the thing about melee is that Nintendo has never really done shit for melee. Not that they have to, um, mm-hmm. but it's all been a fan effort. It's been the dedicated melee community that's been playing this game literally for almost two decades. Melee came out, I think, in 2001, maybe 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, obviously, because of COVID, they can't host the Big House 10. Um, but it just so happens that in, in a typical melee fashion, the game tends to find a way when there are no other answers, it, it survived three new entries and Melee is still relevant. Um, someone invented a rollback netcode that allows Melee to be played online within like two frames of lag. And wow. Melee runs wow. at 60 frames a second. So that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Um, but Nintendo has issued a cease and desist to this Melee event um, because of the emulation that they're going to have to use to run the event. As you guys probably know, ROM and, and emulation laws are not that cut and dry. I mean, like, you can have a ROM if you own the game. Right. And if you right. repeat yourself. Emulation itself gets gets a little dicier. Um, I, I totally understand that Nintendo maybe technically can do this, but it's like, why, why do it? You know what I mean? Well, what yeah, there's actually some more news that came on top of that. I'm not sure if it was uh, within the last couple of days. I don't know exactly um, that they're going hard on DCA or DMCA's now, DMCA takedowns for yeah. 
anything Nintendo, period, that they're basically going and saying you're not allowed to stream Nintendo games anymore. You're not allowed to stream Nintendo trailers or footage of Nintendo <laughs> games. They're basically saying everything Nintendo on YouTube and Twitch is needs to be pulled, period. It's so frustrating. And, it's free yeah, marketing. <laughs> right. So this we could actually finally see the big copyright fight that kind of needs to happen on fair use and video games but man that's a that's a dangerous territory because nintendo is a huge one to set that precedent on they've got the money to fight that fight i think what's really frustrating for me is like nintendo for one the, the the online that nintendo makes for its own games for super smash brothers ultimate it sucks and, mm-hmm. and it, it barely works. And here you have this fan who who's made a rollback netcode for a 20 year old game for a GameCube. <laughs> people, people just love Melee. And it's like if Nintendo doesn't plan to re-release it, that's fine. If they don't want to support it in any way, that's fine. You'd think they could just then leave give it, it alone and give it to the fans. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very or at least li- offer licensing. Like that's the thing that right. always bothers me is like everybody set clicks the I agree on the end user license agreement, mm-hmm. but it's actually a license agreement. It's a contract. And, yeah. and like yeah, so you can have different types of them, mm-hmm. and Nintendo could easily draw up a community accessible version of the license agreement that says we still hold the rights to all of this. But if you want to hold a tournament, you're going to have to either buy a copy, like just like music, buy a copy of the license for this tournament or Mm -hmm. buy a copy of the license so that you can make a distributed net code. But you have to either pay us like a subscription fee or a yearly Mm -hmm. fee or a tax or a license or some kind of actual legal documentation has to be drawn up that says you're allowed to distribute this and we won't sue you. Same for streamers. Uh, Charge them by the month. Have a have a streamers only kind of upgraded access of your online nintendo subscription that you charge 15 dollars more a month for mm-hmm. and no streamer you know there'd be some balking at it but as long as it's reasonable nobody's gonna complain we all get that we're getting that stuff for free right right there there are clearly solutions that, that they could at least try maybe it takes a couple attempts to to really mm-hmm. find one that sticks uh you know i think with melee so i'm, I'm a pretty big melee fan um I'd say I've, I've been aware of the competitive stuff maybe since around 2012. Um, but I, I was ne- I'm never very good. I can do some of the basic techniques. I go to some of my local tournaments, but I get destroyed every time. Like, I'm, right. I'm very good. But I love Melee. It's, it's a big passion for me. I just think it's a beautiful game. Uh, you guys on your podcast explore why gaming matters. I, I mm. think Melee is one of the most beautiful examples of why gaming matters. Um, mm. And in 2013, if you guys didn't know this, um, Evo, which is a big fighting game tournament, um, invited uh, Melee. Or they didn't invite Melee. They, they had this contest that said, we have one more slot to go. And we're going to compete. You're going to raise money for bre- uh, breast cancer research. And whichever game raises the most gets to be in the tournament. And Melee raised $100,000. Uh, that's $100,000 wow. that the Melee that's community awesome. got together and was able to raise. And even after that, Nintendo tried to get Melee taken out of the tournament. Oh, and, it's, and it's just like, <laughs> man, what is the deal? You know, what's also funny is I guarantee, like, yes, these people have a Melee ISO. They've technically downloaded it. It's not a purchased copy of the game. I guarantee all these people have purchased Melee at some point in their lives. If not multiple copies, like uh, I had a dog 
it liked CDs <laughs> or just a CD falls out of its case and gets scratched. Cause the jewel case, the clamshell come down weird on it and mm. scratch it all the way across. Like, I, I don't know how many copies of Starcraft. I, I know I owned at least four <laughs> or five legit copies of Starcraft, uh, at least two or three of those at full price. Like same with a lot of things. People will burn how many control, even if all of the games they got like pirated, <laughs> right? How many, official controllers did they buy <laughs> because yeah. they're they're not using mad cats controllers at a turn no no <laughs> way dude i know there's a there's a smash guy who has a back catalog of over a hundred controllers that he has yep. in his basement just in case he needs a new one or a better one or a piece or from parts. So <laughs> I'm really awesome. fired up about this i i just i love melee and uh i'm a big melee fan and it's just it's just very sad uh, to me that, because it's like also this is the best option people have with with COVID. It's like mm-hmm, let them yeah. win an online tournament, just leave them alone. And what's also right. funny is they canceled the ultimate event as well. And the ultimate copies are all legally obtained. Yeah, they're all legal and can be played online. Supposedly, so, <laughs> the rumor yeah. is it has online yeah. play. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's also I think it's also just jarring because it comes from Nintendo, like. I think Sony and Microsoft, because they're not exclusively video game companies and because they weren't the ones that kind of, at least for, I think most, most people our age and and kind of introduced video games to us. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Mario wasn't the first game I played, but Mario on NES was the first time that I was like, oh man, I'm completely sucked into this, you know? Um, and, And like Microsoft and Sony, because they have so many other business revenue streams or whatever it seems like for them to do such a such a heartless move is like well it's a giant heartless corporation whatever right. but nintendo they again they make mario well, <laughs> and it's not just that they 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 so often impersonate the good guy like their games yeah. for the longest time there's no mature games they're all like e for everyone you've got the labo you know yeah. like encouraging creativity and kids like they're willing to have lower specs on their devices to have the the GameCube was the most power efficient device that had ever come out because it power was so expensive and you'd have so many people in a, a mega apartment complex in a in an Asian city that you would have so many people drawing power that everybody having a GameCube or an an Xbox was dangerous and you'd have brownouts. Oh, wow. I never knew but that. But the game yeah, the GameCube actually had a I believe it was a custom ATI video card that could deliver almost the same amount of of you know graphics fidelity but off of a lower power cycle and it was the same with their discs the reason they went with the smaller discs i'm pretty sure that their information density was a lot higher so they had slower spin speeds spin speeds so they didn't have to run the motor as much and they didn't have to have as hot of a fan wow so the, the whole reason it was compact was so it could be as low of a power consumption as possible so that if everybody bought one, it would it wouldn't cost you an arm and a leg to run. Because a lot of people at the time in the '90s were saying, like the early 2000s, were like, "We're not going to buy an Xbox in Japan because it's too expensive to run. Mm-hmm. Like it's the monthly cost of an Xbox, even without internet, is too much because it's so power hungry." And yeah, so like the Nintendo's been the good guys, kind kind of. They're still a corporation though, and that yeah. rears its ugly head every now and again. It's, it's definitely frustrating, you know, if you kind of consistently see people making fun of, like, EA, for example, and mm. probably rightfully so, right? <laughs> EA deserves it. 
But at this point, I think Nintendo deserves it just as much as anybody. I think else. so. I think they're directly anti-consumer in a lot of ways. They they they, they purposely. Um, what's the term when you uh, you kind of create artificial demand by just shipping fewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Nintendo's been doing that for like two decades. And, yeah, right. they're like their last three systems, like yeah. Wii and beyond. <laughs> Dude, Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo did that with um, the new Super Mario Brothers Wii around mm-hmm. Christmas time in 2010. You're taking away Mario. Let us download it on Christmas. Like, <laughs> you can't just let us download it. It's yeah. that time where the, where the future is now. Yeah. <laughs> so this is me definitely trying to be um, more philosophical than is warranted right now. But I, 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 is it to some extent fair to say, though, that uh, Nintendo is, is not really different than the villains that we were talking about earlier, where the villain isn't just purely evil, right? There's some right. humanity to it. And Nintendo's not just purely good. Like, they're not right. just this bastion of good. But that doesn't mean that just because they're doing these things that are unfavorable that they're also only evil right like there's just right, there's some right. new ones to it you know i actually buy i mean i don't like i said i don't play many new games um i'm not much of a pc gamer i think you guys are pretty big pc gamers right from what yeah. i saw from your uh content. <laughs> <Titles>. <laughs> um, and i'd love to hear more about that um i i do tend to buy nin, uh nintendo games um yeah. I, last year i bought fire emblem three houses um, I, I do digital download games on my switch all the time and I, and I like my switch a lot. Um, yeah. but it sucks because sometimes I just feel like the dog that keeps getting kicked under the mm-hmm. table. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo, for example, um, I think it's only 20 bucks a year if you want to do their online subscription thing, which, which isn't that bad. I mean, yeah. Right. Um, but they have these NES and SNES, uh, they're essentially kind of like a Netflix thing where they release games for them. You can replace play super mario world you can play a link to the past but man they have trickled these games out so slowly it's been out for three years and you you just were able to play donkey kong country which is like one of the most landmark super nintendo titles there right and you just got to play that a couple months ago and it's like oh man what are you waiting for like meanwhile skyrim was available in like 2017 on the switch and we don't need another skyrim port like we've all had yes. a chance <laughs> well it's kind of it's it's the kind of the same thing that disney does where they vault stuff to to extend copyright law and mm-hmm. and be able to bring it back out and there's tons of examples of nintendo like i, I get not releasing a game if it's bad and like canceling it kind of mm-hmm. we've talked about that with blizzard does that a lot or used to but <laughs> things that are like mario and link aren't the only fan staples we haven't mm-hmm. had an f-zero game yeah in like a decade uh they've pretty much they made a giant mistake in in metroid other m and then followed it up with like a four-player metroid game that had nothing to do with like there's just marines the space marines and a little arena shooter thing i felt bad for metroid fans at that time (laughs) i i would love to see a game a la prime that continues off after fusion yeah, like I want to see the story continue past that. Like I want to see go go take an take a risk and go somewhere with it. And I guarantee, if you're going forward instead of trying this middle area between Prime and and Super Nintendo, like you almost you have less chance screwing that up than you do trying to insert lore into lore. <laughs> yeah, like and make things canon. Just go into the future. She's already bonded with a Metroid. Her suit's all full of X virus. Cool. Let's just go out into take that into no man's sky. Do yeah. that for me, please. 
Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned F-Zero because we were kind of talking like, is Nintendo the good guy or is Nintendo the bad guy? I think Nintendo has the capability to renew literally any series it could ever want through Super Smash Brothers. Super mm-hmm. Smash Brothers is a walking commercial. Like, yeah. yeah, all you would have to do is release a new game, and then when you boot up Smash Brothers, have it on a splash screen. Like, yep, right. new new F Zero available as a digital download. Earthbound re-release as a digital download. And, and give give Falcon uh, Captain Falcon a new skin in Super Smash Bros. If you yeah. go get. If you go get this, you get the flashy gold cape skin. Woohoo! Cool. Exactly. Awesome. Or, Everybody or maybe, will buy it. Or maybe there's a challenge you complete in the game and get ten percent off or something. You know right. what I mean? Well, and it, like F Zero GX wasn't bad. None of these games that the like other M kind of flopped, but F Zero GX <laughs> is one of the best selling like racing games like that for Nintendo for a long mm-hmm. time. It's a very it's like, unique game. It's really challenging. it was amazing. Hmm. You know, this is a decent segue um, into earthbound's history as as a as a failed uh series yeah Um, so man there's this narrative around earthbound which just to remind everyone earthbound is the second game in the series um but it's the first one that came out in in america Mm -hmm. and there's this narrative around the game that says nintendo of america rolled out the red carpet for earthbound full localization and it just happened to flop uh but that's not really the true story um, mm. So it is true that Earthbound was very, very expensive to uh, translate and to localize. There's so much text in the game. Uh, a lot of the jokes had to be reworked entirely because they were so culturally right. specific. There was a lot of censorship. Mm. Um, but this whole narrative that Nintendo rolled out the red carpet, it isn't exactly true. Uh, so Earthbound uh, came packaged with a, a, a guide of the game. It was a colorful guide. It was had illustrations in it and all this original art. Uh, and, it, and it also came with a package of scratch and sniff uh, stickers because the tagline of Earthbound was, this game stinks. Uh, it was kind of cashing in on sort of the gross humor of like the 90s. You know, garbage like, pale kids and stuff. Garbage pale kids was had, what I had written down in my, in my notes. <laughs> um, and, you know, like the whole Nickelodeon slime and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, yeah, <laughs> so, you know, all these people say, "Oh, well, it's the tagline of this game stinks. That's why it's it failed." It's like, no, I think this game stinks was a perfect tagline for the '90s. The thing no one talks about is you could not buy Earthbound in a normal sized SNES cartridge. Earthbound only came in deluxe sized boxes, and it was twenty dollars more expensive than every other game on the market because mm, it had wow. a T-shirt inside, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. And it's like. To me, what's frustrating about that is you are releasing an entirely new IP in an entirely new region. It's an RPG, which wouldn't really catch on big time until like Final Fantasy VII in, in a couple years. Mm-hmm. And if you're a parent in a store or if you're a kid with some extra money and you're seeing the $90 SNES game or you're seeing Super Mario World, you can't take the risk on the, on the game you don't know anything about. Earthbound's box art wasn't exactly helpful for understanding what the game was. So it's like, did Nintendo fail or or did Earthbound fail or did Nintendo fail to, to market the game properly? You right. know, I mean? and especially in an era where the Prima strategy guide was $20 and separate and every <laughs> parent knew you don't need that. Just mm-hmm. you, in fact, in fact, you'll get more life out of this game without it. I'll get more life out of this game yeah. if you don't get that book. <laughs> So that's been sort of a frustrating thing to me is sort of I I feel like Nintendo now looks at Earthbound 
as this failure of, of, of the 90s. Um, and I totally understand why, why Mother 3 wouldn't make sense. Again, came out late in the Game Boy Advance's life or whatever. But here's where the story gets even worse. is uh, mm-hmm. The one console where Nintendo decided to bring back the Earthbound series with Earthbound Beginnings and Earthbound being released uh, digitally, they brought these back on the Wii U. I was going to say it has to be the Wii U. Uh, you know, if you know anything about the Wii U, it was arguably one of Nintendo's biggest failures ever. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually talking to a friend just the other day who didn't, still did not know that the Wii U was a new system. It wasn't just a new system the Wii. Um, and and what's, what's sad is that Earthbound was the second best-selling digital title behind Super Mario World. Uh, Super Mario World being arguably the most successful Super Nintendo title there was. Right. Uh, but those numbers don't matter when, when they're Wii U numbers. If you're the second right. you know, downloaded Wii U title, what does that mean? 50 people right. downloaded it? You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, once again, you have this mistake, arguably, on Nintendo's part that gets put onto Earthbound. Oh, it doesn't sell in America, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I could go on and on about this. They, they really can never make a comment of it doesn't sell until they open their whole library. Exactly. Like, just period. Like, you... There's zero reason why you don't have 400 games for download, even if even if they're dollar a piece. I don't care. Like even if they're not all free subscriptions, like and and have that same library on every system. Yeah. You, like and as long as they're cheap, if they're cheap enough, you have to rebuy them on every system. If they're not and they're expensive, then they save to your library like Steam. Yeah. Like and I even would, I would eat that up. I would eat that up. Yeah. If if it was guaranteed to be in your digital library like Steam, but you had to pay the f- the full original price. So like $25 for Super Mario, like the, the release day price of whatever it was in that year is what we'll do. And we won't change the currency rate. We won't mark for inflation, but you still have to pay the full price. Everybody would, there would be a week of a bunch of PC gamer articles like, man, Nintendo's being blah. And then there would be a huge tsunami of money yeah. flowing <laughs> over the continent to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> not sure if that's insensitive or not i'm kidding um (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah well and i think that i i i I honestly it almost seems though that to some extent it's also just like a mismatch of um to some extent maybe just timing Mm -hmm. and then also the company that it originates from because you know I, i know you said that you're not much of a pc gamer but i mean man it's from everything that i'm understanding about earthbound um, and, and the you know Mother Three, and, and again from what you've written, it, it seems like it would be an indie game gem. I mean, yeah, right. Stardew yeah. Valley comes out and kills, right? Mm-hmm. But it's basically just Harvest Moon. Well, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Have, uh, have you guys heard of Undertale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did you know Undertale started as an Earthbound fan game? No, but that okay. makes sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. I I think I remember hearing threads of of that whenever because Earth Undertale's what maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Ago now that it was popular, its, uh, fifth birthday. Okay, nice. there you go. Well, what, so what's what's funny about that is uh, there's this website that I think I linked to you in the email. Uh, it's called Starmen.net, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I know that some games probably have bigger audiences and, and more money in them, but I, I truly believe it's it's harder to find more dedicated fans than fans of the Mother series. I mean, very talented artists. Um, you, you mentioned indie games. I, I think in a lot of ways. Earthbound is almost like the the, the proto indie game. Um, yeah, it's a very right. simple style, a big emphasis on on writing and on sort of unique music. Um, there's a lot of like I don't know, just really cool art that you can find in the game. 
Uh, but uh, Undertale began as a as a fan game that was being you know updated about on uh, Starman.net, and I I can remember to this day being I think I was like 15 and I was reading updates. Wow. On unique little earthbound fan game and it went on to become undertale so it's, See, it's cool. awesome when somebody can pull off something like that unlike like and i get where it's not the same at all but something like am2r which right. the, the metroid 2 that comes to pc for like a week uh, before that gets shut down it's yeah, just I like pull that down too mm-hmm. and and i get why it's you know but when you can pull it off where you can change enough of the art to make it your own eh. And, and then have it go big. Like, I mean, and it's, it's time and time again, people of indie gamers have proven that if Nintendo is not going to come to PC, they will yeah. <laughs> with like Undertale and Stardew Valley and Levelhead, uh, all examples of games, you know, that have brought Nintendo things to the PC and done well. Yeah. So something else that I, that I just, you know, the, the thing that when Crabtree um, first introduced the idea and asked me if, if I thought, you know, we'd like to have you on the show. The thing that jumped out to me is, you know, you mentioned earlier, the, the, the why gaming matters kind of tagline and, and just reading in your, your zero post, um, your, your zero post on the, the blog or whatever, the initial introduction to it, it reminded me a lot of kind of how, why Brett and I started this podcast and obviously very different mediums. And we're talking about all sorts of games, you know, whereas you're more laser focused on, on one title, but it's and and it's why we settled on why gaming matters and it's it's because in the end it's like it's it's remarkable to me how games can compel us to to either see things in the real world differently or in some cases like what you've done like inspire an, an entire artistic project in that is the blog that you've created i mean it's this and and i, I i'm not trying to flatter you but it's 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 well written right mm-hmm. like you're clearly a writer and it's clearly well written and it and 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 it explains the game but it also like you kind of break the fourth wall a bit and like kind of explain what you're thinking you know to the reader as you go through it and it's just i mean how cool that a game would inspire that i mean you're i would guess that your blog posts take longer than the the frog to frog play sessions <laughs> yeah. that you have is that true yeah um so basically yeah i guess to to kind of introduce the blog more formally um, yeah. Mother 3 was designed to, to be able to be beaten by anybody. Um, so w- one thing that the creator had in mind was that a lot of the kids who had played Mother 2 would be older now and maybe wouldn't have as much time to be playing games. So he mm. kind of imagined, and I haven't been able to find this citation again, so this might not be totally true, but I, I sure. heard somewhere he had imagined um, someone only having time to game on like the subway going to and from work. So he wanted Mother 3 to be playable in like five to 10 minute um, gameplay sessions, which Mm. if you're looking at an RPG, that can be kind of tricky sometimes because you'll get stuck in the middle of a long cave or whatever. A um, boss, ba- a a boss battles battle, in yeah. Final Fantasy VII that you, you're gonna summon Knights of the Round alone takes like eight <laughs> minutes to cast, like <laughs> once. Yeah, you got to set aside like a whole evening to beat a boss. Um, but so the the way that I do the blog is that I just play from one frog to the next, um, and I write about everything that I experienced um, between the between the two frogs. And um, I think one thing I'm finding that just makes mother three really special. And that I think makes 
the sort of best games that we play special is that it's not just that it's fun. It's that it comes from a place of inspiration and, and that's pretty obvious, you know, I mean, even though it's a fan translation, I, th I think that makes it even better because you're getting the original work sort of reinterpreted through fans. And again, not every joke comes through, right? So like some of the writing is even original. Um, if, if RPGs aren't your thing, I encourage anyone to just listen to the soundtracks of, of the uh, Mother games. Yeah. They're, they're really good. They're really, mm -hmm. really good soundtracks. Um, every time I play Mother 3, I just get filled, you know, with this sort of childlike wonder. Um, and I, I think you sort of mentioned that that first post, that, that Frog Zero post. Yeah. Um, something that the creator talks about a lot is this idea of, like, what is what does it mean to play? Like, what does it mean yeah. to play with a game and to, like, interact with it? Um, he said something that's a little cheesy one time, and he's kind of known as a bit of a cheesy guy, but... Every time someone asks him if, if there's going to be a Mother 4, he always says, no, I think Mother 4 is what we're all doing right now. You know, we, we've all played <laughs> these three games, so Mother 4 is just your life. Go live life and have fun. It, <laughs> it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I, I think about that a lot. And I think he almost imagines video games as like kind of like a toy box. And it's like, what toys are you going to pull out with today? And, and, and what are you going to imagine doing with them? And and how are you going to interact with these worlds? I, I, I think that's why um, if you ever do go back and play Earthbound, one thing you'll find is that 90% of the NPCs, they, they aren't your traditional NPCs that say like, oh, go to the store and buy a potion. They'll just tell you a joke or like say something really weird. Mm -hmm. It just makes you laugh and you're just playing with the world. Um, the same thing goes with, with uh, Mother 3. You just One of the main themes of the games is that there's these chimeras being made that are animals combined together. So on one hand, you're kind of horrified because these animals have been spliced by like mad scientists, but you also can't help but laugh because they look so funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have like the dogfish instead of the catfish. You know what I mean? Mm. It's a dog and a fish, but you know, it's stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, I think what I love about the games is they, they don't mind being silly and yet they can accomplish so many serious things. And, mm. uh, one of the big reasons I think Nintendo has been reluctant to to localize Mother 3, because rumor has it that there is a translation that's done, um, but they've just never found the window to do it. Uh, Mother 3, compared to the other two games, I, I don't mean to say this because it's kind of what everyone says, but it's a very dark game. Uh, if, mm. if you play Chapter 1, there's two character deaths right off the bat. Um, and this isn't a colorful pixel art game. Right. There are characters who, depending on your interpretation, kill themselves. There's suicidal ideations. Um, mm. There's there's some pretty disturbing shit in it. Um, and I got to wonder, too, like, when you look at a screenshot of it, though, you just see this colorful, sort of happy-looking game, and yet there's these really deep themes in it. So I don't know. I mean, clearly I'm writing a blog about it, so I could talk about it forever. Um, but, man, I just... I, it's just a wealth of inspiration when I play Mother 3. I just can never stop talking about it. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I think it it, 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 it just, again, even in that, it, what, what you made me think of when you're talking about the dogfish instead of the catfish, that reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've played these games at all, because I, I don't know if they're on console or not, but have you played the Don't Starve series at all by Clay? No. Oh, I, they are not JRPGs, to no. be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but if you love really really good 
sound design for lack of a better way to say it um and, and living portmanteaus yeah <laughs> it, they do stuff like that like they have a dragonfly and it's a fly that's the size of a dragon right Very like good. it's yeah. it has teeny tiny dragon wings it's not like the other you kind of think the other way around a lot yeah. but they try to mess with it in a way that it's got like the fly snout teeny tiny dragon wings but like scales and a, a dragon tail and it like breathes fire and eats ash yeah, <laughs> yeah that's but, right up my alley yeah oh yeah and all yeah all the characters they don't talk they they're all of them have different instruments that play Ooh, when nice. they talk i mean there's text so you can understand what's happening but mm -hmm. um but yeah as far there's no voice acting it's all just just music sounds it's 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 a great great game one of the most brutal and punishing games that you could yeah, ever play it's hard. <laughs> it's so unforgiving um but but anyway it just made me it, it just it just like i said it just made me think of it when you're talking about the some of the charms of, of mother three because it just sounds again like it's just it's it's the sega channel of video games right it's just 30 years ahead of its time <laughs> well the, another uh, another thing that's kind of sad is that mother one and mother two they were pretty culturally significant for for japan when they came out that they're just mm. kind of beloved games but mother three didn't quite reach that level even in japan um because mm. mother three abandons the whole contemporary world setting and it just sort of tells a standalone story it's it's i, I would say all three games are, are sci-fi uh but i'd say mother three leans pretty heavily into the fantasy sci-fi realm um, it's, it's a story that loosely connects to the previous games, but it doesn't have that contemporary world charm. It, it doesn't even have the same type of funny writing. And instead of having, you know, 200 NPCs, you kind of see the same 30 for most of the game. You just see them change over time. Um, I think there are a lot of things Mother 3 does great. You mentioned instruments. Uh, Mother 3, you don't have to use this, but there's a, there's a rhythm system built into the combat. Uh, so huh. if you're able to like find the beat of the song that's playing, uh, every oh, wow. character has a character specific instrument that will start to play as you as you hit the notes. Uh, that's great. That's awesome. Super cool. Um, and I don't know. There's actually I've got to give a shout out to a game that's coming out soon. Um, it started as a Mother Four fan game, uh, which <laughs> got ceased and desisted by uh, Nintendo. Of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally rebranded themselves as oddity uh like space oddity you know that david bowie um you guys you gotta i'll send you this trailer over email um yeah this game looks like it's gonna be pretty special and it's kind of the truest mother sequel i think we'll ever get um they this is also something that began development on starman.net if you go back far enough you can see very embarrassing posts from me as an 11 year old uh <laughs> desperately wanting to be in this people's games I'm like, can you please let me make a sprite for you? Can I? And they're, and they're just like, <laughs> get out of here. Like, what are you doing? But uh, th this game, I don't know. Th that's why I say that the, the mother community always surprises me. They're just full of so many talented and, and dedicated people. And one reason, I, I've had this blog idea for a few years. Uh, one thing that always kept me from doing it is I was kind of nervous to, to join that group of people. I was like, I have what it takes like these people are so talented and so dedicated and, and all of them have been around for longer than me I, I never even owned Earthbound on Super Nintendo I only ever emulated it like I, I learned right. about nuts from Smash Brothers does that mean I'm not mm -hmm. like you know I'm not I'm not old school enough yeah like so yeah I, I 
kind of. I mean, that was my introduction to Marth and Roy. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if you're from America, there's like no. I don't. If you right, how else did you get? Congratulations. Huh. So, so th- there's there's a few really inspiring things to me about your blog. Like, I I personally love the idea about kind of Walker said, it, and it, it definitely shows that you put a lot of thought into your writing, and that at least combined thinking and writing, you're probably definitely putting more there than it takes you to play that segment. Right. But I think that that's I I love that because I'm I'm you know, not a writer, but I enjoy writing. And, uh, one of the things that I did for, I don't know, maybe like a few months, three to six months for a while is, is I had a little bit of a blog where I did, uh, short stories inspired by music. So I would take a song that really just charged me any kind of song and I would put it on repeat and I would try to write a short story or a snippet or a, a sequence that fit that music. Nice. And, cool. and so it was taking something that was, you know, between three and six minutes and trying to write out and even trying like, unfortunately, everybody reads at different speeds. But as much as I could to my reading speed, like match crescendos and, and things within it. So like I, I tried to make it to where it took as long to read it as it took to listen to it. So you have like a soundtrack. Nice. Um, it was a really just kind of experimental thing. Very difficult to pull off for anybody else reading it, of course. But. Um, but I, I love that idea of, cause there, there is so much that can go into such a short segment of time yeah. and, and you can discover so much or think about so much, even related outside of the game. It starts getting into the real world when you look at short snippets of time or short experiences and it's how you're feeling that day. And then you see something that you may not have emotionally connected with yesterday, but it hits you at the right moment, or you hear a a certain instrumental track comes on, a certain gameplay track hits at the right moment. You start noticing these smaller details about the game and realize that every single piece of that was handcrafted and put in there for the purpose of trying to give an experience. And Mm -hmm. I think that taking the time to do those kinds of observations is just good on you. Well, you know, and you guys can probably agree with me on this. Like, I feel like games are, are still sort of coming into their own. And I, I think one thing that frustrates me, gaming journalism sometimes is so, so bad. Like, yeah, and, and it's like, if you look at an IGN review, you know, the whole meme of like, this game makes you feel like Spider-Man. It's like, oh, fuck off. You say that about every game. Right. And, uh, it's... <laughs> I think I I kind of look at those things and it's like, I don't think we can just write about games in like a couple paragraphs. I think games just hold too much in them. I, for better or for worse, I, journalists need to work a little harder if, if they really want to convey what a game is through through their writing. And I think that was another inspiration I, I had for this. It's like, I'm not saying to write about a game, you need to do something to the size of what I'm doing. That, that's not what I'm saying, but... Right. I do think you need to spend a little more time with the game to, to truly understand kind of what it does and like how it works and, and try to convey that through writing and, and, and kind of in a way that's just as playful as playing the game itself. You know what I mean? And like, 
I understand that's a tall order for IGN journalists, but like, <laughs> fuck it, like try harder. You know what I mean? <laughs> as long as somebody doesn't try to be as violent as they were to get into the headspace of something like Doom, uh, right. all about being as playful as you need to be to be Earthbound Rider. But <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think... Oh, sorry, okay. go ahead. Well, I'll just say quickly. I, I think yeah. that the, the thing, the thing I kind of noticed is that five or so years ago. Mother 3 started cropping up a lot again in, like, pop culture. Um, mm. Honestly, at this point, I think if Nintendo is afraid of not making money on the game, I think it has enough cultural buzz around it to just releasing it would be a pretty big move. Um, but I got frustrated because every time I would see these websites writing about Earthbound or, or Mother, they just say, oh, the bizarre zany series. You find a hippie sometimes. It's, it's funny. And... <laughs> I kept getting the sense that I was like, man, I don't think these people have actually even played this game. Like, right. I don't know. So for example, there, there's this part of earthbound where um, there's a pencil statue that's blocking your way. And uh, the way that you get rid of it is this kid scientist makes a pencil eraser and you erase the pencil statue. <laughs> and it's very funny. It's an iconic part yeah. of the game. Actually, in the Japanese version, it's not even a pencil. It's an octopus statue. It's very strange. But um, okay. that's just, I know, it's weird. Yeah, pencil eraser is a good pun, though. Like, and right. it's like a double pun. Like, it's stacking that one. <laughs> so that's a very good joke. Yet, you just see every website parroting that one thing. It's like, play the mm-hmm. game pencil eraser in it. And it's like, none of you motherfuckers have played this game. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And that's what started to inspire me of like, I want to write about Earthbound. Like, I want to show people what's kind of cool about the game. And like, I want to put my heart into it like a little bit more. You know what I mean? So that's that's my piece. But sorry, Walker, I think I cut you off. No, no. no. Oh, no, I don't even know what I was going to say. It was irrelevant, I'm sure. Um, no, that I, I just, yeah, to, to echo what, what you guys are talking about, I just think that... Um, I mean, again, uh, you know, to, to speak about you're talking about games kind of coming into their own. I feel like games are, which is shocking because they're so prevalent now, but they're viewed like a, like it's like a toy. Yeah. Like if you wanted to write a blog about a book that you wrote, right? Like the world at large is like, oh yeah, I mean, books like that's that's credible. That's yeah. Serious. You you want to have a blog on a three part book series called Lord of the Rings? Like <laughs> no, you you get no guff for that right or you could write you could you could write a blog about breaking bad the television show and it would mm-hmm. be like oh yep yeah that's that's a really thoughtful Genius. piece of yeah that that really that's really culturally significant and i'm not saying that those things aren't or that those things shouldn't also be taken seriously still but to me video games are in the exact same category as all other entertainment media where yeah some of it is dumb and silly like well the last god of war is actually pretty impressive on its yeah. own right yeah or whatever <laughs> we'll go with call of duty right we'll pick on another punching bag <laughs> series um but it's like you know some of them are are that but then there's stuff like what you're what you've you know what you're sharing with the world with mother three where there's there's something in the word i love the word you used earlier which is it's something inspired you can tell it mattered to someone right and then is the consumer of it you get that and, and it matters to you. I mean, I, this is totally not gaming related and I might be the only one on the, the show that feels this way. So apologies. But like, I'm a huge Tool fan. The the, the band oh, Tool, man. right? Yeah, Tool's great. But that's, 
like for me, and, and again, I'm not even trying to, to say that everyone should feel this way, but for me, like a huge part of the draw is that it just feels like it's something that those people made because it's what was like in their heart, you know, like it's what they wanted to make. And so whether or not it jives with you or not is fine, but I don't know. There's something about that that resonates me. And and this is the easiest example, but like, you know, a nickelback, right, that everyone hates on. But 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 truly, regardless of, you know, the, the rest of it, it just doesn't feel like it comes from the same place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It feels like it was made to sell more than it was made to express. Right. And, and I don't think that there's I don't think it's wrong to make something to sell like, hey, you do you. But I don't think it's fair to discount things that aren't that you know what i mean so, right yeah. anyway, that was very rambling <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of a big challenge i have sometimes when i'm writing because even though i'm doing this sort of in-depth thing i also i don't try to take it too seriously and i and yeah. i hope people who read it like I, I every now and again if i feel like i'm getting a bit too heady about something i try to like bring it back down to earth because again it goes back to that first post which is how do we play you know how do, yeah. how do we fun um, so would you say that your blog is earthbound? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll go home now. <laughs> you know, try to keep it grounded. <laughs> but to give a to give a sort of another example of a game that to me maybe wasn't made to be inspired, but that makes people creative is something like melee. Like you can it sounds weird to some people, but like you can express yourself through the way you play melee through, through the character that you choose through your play style. Um, Brett, you were mentioning hungry box, like hungry box is one of the best players of all time. Like he's, he's so talented and yet people hate his play style uh, Mm -hmm. because they think it's lame and it's like lame versus cool. Like how a person expresses themselves through the game. Like that's what I think makes melee so special is like, I'm I'm at the point now as a melee fan where I don't need to see the names. I can sometimes identify who's playing just by watching wow. their style. Yeah, and that gets kind of harder as the game gets more optimized. And well, yeah, cool. and the but, more it, it depends on the player base too. The more players there yeah. are, it can be a little difficult. But I mean, we we had been apart not directly, but we were on a, a recent Exxon tournament that we had hosted uh, or part that were part sponsors for. Rather, we didn't host it, but. Uh, a couple of the casters talked about how you could determine some psychology of players based on, you know, what races they picked and what would their play styles were. Were they consistent? Were they cheesy? Were they, you know, strategic? So, yeah, StarCraft Two. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> StarCraft. But but yeah, kind of similarly, where there's there's a lot of, I think that in the same way that a writer puts themselves into their books, you know, whether intentionally or not. Uh, you know, players put themselves into their games, and yeah. and so you can see a lot of a player, especially in a competitive game where you're pushing yourself to the, your limits to try to you know take down your opponents. Like a lot of how you play is going to be reflected in that, and I think that it's it's so awesome to be able to, like you said, read a player's moves and based on their character selection and their move set and their style. You know, just are they hugging walls? Are they staying back? Are they really aggressive? Are they waiting for the perfect moment? Like you can know like, oh, this this player is always strategic. So I know it's this one. Right. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And I, I think there's a whole, you know, a lot of people like us kind of get that. But, you know, Walker was mentioning 
people not really yet understanding games as something more than like points on a screen. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I was telling a friend of mine, and by the way, th- this friend plays um, a lot of League of Legends. Like he's definitely like a gamer and stuff. Uh, but I told him one time, I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of suck at Melee, but like I, I still feel like I can express myself through it. And he was like, I have no idea what you mean. Like, that's so weird to me. And it was just like, oh, it's like expressing yourself through pinball. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I kind of thought he would get that. Um, but I think even within gaming, it, it's, it's kind of hard to find common ground sometimes just among why people play games, which is also what makes it special. But yeah. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that there's, um, th- that's another thing that, that, that intrigued me a lot about your your thoughts on um mother three and and the specifically relating to the playfulness that you're talking Mm -hmm. about and the way that the playfulness is written into the dialogue i mean i think that's something that um this is not really accurate but that the internet has (laughs) has ruined about gaming And, and brett and i have talked about this but it's like it's so everything is so min maxed now right like a game comes out and it gets run through the calculator of the internet and then spits out like here's the optimal way that you play this like yeah. if you don't it's fine but you're not being as efficient as you could be and in single player games there's probably less you know that matters less but especially in something like league of legends like there's so much pressure for people around like well what 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 uh metal league are you in are you bronze are you diamond are you platinum are you whatever that people are like scared to try and express themselves, right? Because they're like, oh, I have to learn this regimented thing. And I have to, I mean, StarCraft is guilty of that too, until you get into the higher, well, maybe the very low levels of play also feature more more into innovation. I think it is something that's like, it's hard to, it's hard to have fun in a competitive game to just have fun. Yeah. Like if you're because someone, especially in a team based game, somebody's going to be mad at you for not trying to min max, even if they are not good at it either and are also in the bronze league with you. Somebody's yeah. going to want you to try to be min maxing. And you're like, I don't care if I'm playing a jungle hero in center lane. Can I just sh- can I just shoot multicolored orbs of light across the screen using my keyboard? Right. Like, Can I make pixels dance on the screen for a little while and then go back to my boring job? Like yeah is that okay (laughs) that's also something people say about melee sometimes where they say yeah if you still think you have style that probably just means you still suck like there's some things (laughs) you haven't quite learned yet there's some things you haven't quite optimized yet which for me is true like the one dumb thing and if for anyone who plays melee they'll get this but like one dumb thing i do i play a character called marth uh, marth and roy you know Marth has a, the longest grab range in the game, and he has a lot of punishes off of grab. Uh, so really, when your opponent is shielding, you should just grab them. For some reason, I like to shield pressure as Marth. I like to hit people's shield with the sword. I like to poke at it. It's not optimal. It's stupid. It usually just <laughs> For some reason, I like it, though. I like to be annoying. I like to be up in someone's face hitting their, their shield. You know what I mean? I should just grab them, and I should just get my punish. But I always attack shield because I think it's fun. So, yeah, I think. But I think that there's. I don't know. I, I honestly, someone that would say like, well, if that's what you think, then uh, you probably just aren't optimized enough. I, I don't know that I believe that that's accurate because that sounds like someone who thinks that they're at the top, 
mm-hmm. and isn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's like it, it's it, it's not directly like this, but it's it's it reminds me of the like. Well, can you like explain it like I'm five subreddit, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like if you can't explain it simply, then you don't really get it either. And that doesn't. It's not even a criticism of the individual as much as just you're not the expert if you can't translate it for people, right? If you can't communicate it effectively, then it you probably don't know it either. And so the point being, like, if you think that the only way to play is this one very regimented thing, I I mean, I would argue you're wrong. And I would argue that if nothing else, based on chess, how long has chess been around and how often are people still finding innovative things to do in a chess match? Right. Like, and so, those don't come from playing like and that's kind of the point that I was going to make is like if everybody played or tried to play with only what's considered optimal, the meta would never shift. Mm-hmm. The meta shifts when people come in not expecting you to grab and you shield break right. and get stuns. And they're, so that you're having to adjust. People are used to, if I shield, they're going to grab. So I'm going to go here and preparing their next move and you break that meta. Or it, it's it's either through play or rigorous study or accident where yeah. somebody does something accident. And usually those accidents often come from goofing around. Uh, yeah. I'm going to play Jigglypuff and I'm going to get to a grandmaster spot in a tournament and all of a sudden best character in melee question mark <laughs> like uh, and and so, yeah, I think that saying that the meta is the only way to play is not really fully understanding how things become meta and how metas change. Right. Yeah, well, and, and honestly, you know, and I know I've kind of said this already, but in listening to a lot of stop, excuse me, a lot of top StarCraft pros um, talk about StarCraft, which, I mean, StarCraft is probably the most regimented, mechanically demanding thing, right? But if you listen to the top players, they all talk about how it, it's a way for them to express themselves. And that's why they, I mean, StarCraft 2 now has been out for a decade, <laughs> let right. alone Brood Wars, 25 years, right? Yeah, so, Brood Wars, one of the OGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, if a game, if that, if the, if that franchise and Brood War is still pay, played competitively, if if those games are still that popular um, among people who have been playing it for that long, clearly there is something more to it, right? Because otherwise they wouldn't do it. I mean, right. it wouldn't it wouldn't last this long if there wasn't more than just the the calculator based meta <laughs> that comes out. Um. Well, Shane, I, I really appreciate you stopping by and, and joining us for the show this evening. Um, I, I certainly don't mean to cut our conversation short at all either. We, I know we've been here for close to an hour and a half, but um, and, and I don't know if we talked enough about your blog. So I, I, I'm happy to talk about that as much as you'd like. Um, I also don't want to steal your whole evening, though. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the, the blog is, is frog by frog. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So the, the blog um, is frogbyfrog.com. Uh, there's hyphens though, so it's frog hyphen by <laughs> yep. frog uh, dot com. So if you want to read it and keep up with with the blog, um, that's where you can find that. And I, I think we talked about the blog a pretty good amount. Um, what I would say to people, um, if you're someone who likes RPGs or someone who has never played an RPG, I think Mother Three is a great one to start with. Um, it's it's pretty simple. It's not even that difficult. There are a couple tricky boss fights but for the most part it's it's a very enjoyable game 
Um, you're going to have to emulate it. Sorry, Nintendo, but, you know, <laughs> also, you invent Nintendo, I don't care. Uh, we we will support and state that we all have legit copies of these for yeah. 100%. Uh, we're just emulating them to get the translation. That's all. And, and as also, a backup ROM. <laughs> I, I will say this. If, if Mother 3 ever does come out, I, I have a goal that I want to try to buy it for like as many people as I can. Like if you yeah. can get digital downloads, I want to do giveaways. I want to do all sorts of stuff. Um, awesome. Anyway, yes, yeah, so you can follow the blog, frogbyfrog.com. Uh, my Twitter, I think, uh, frogbyfrog or something. Frogbyfrog blog. Um, cool. And then if you want to, if you've never played the original, I'm playing through that right now with a friend of mine um, on my YouTube channel, uh, which is called Coyote Cocktail LLC. Uh, so that's where you can find me there. Uh, but yeah, cool. just play Mother 3, you guys. It's a great game. Like, <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, we'll have links in the show notes to um, your your blog, the, the Twitter account, and then your YouTube channel. Um, so people will be able to click it just directly there. Um, and I, and again, I don't say this just because you're on the show or, or to flatter you. Um, I, I really do mean it. I really encourage people to go check out the blog mm-hmm. because the content and the, the, the subject matter is, is obviously interesting as we've been talking for 90 minutes, you know, around it. Um, but beyond that, man, like I said, you, your writing is just, it's really, really well written. It's a, it's a very engaging read. Again, I've never played any of the game. I found myself, you know, reading multiple of the posts and I planned to, to read through all of it. Um, I think it's really cool what you're doing. Um, and I hope that I hope that you continue down the road of, of writing about games, because like you talked about earlier, there is a significant lack in gaming journalism right now. Um, I mean, I'll even you know, I used to think Kotaku was awesome. Like I used to love Kotaku. And then I don't know, in the last few years, like I just don't really it doesn't it doesn't really do it for me anymore. Um and I, I think there is a big lack out there right now in gaming journalism. And I think the kind of writing that you have absolutely solves that. So, um, yeah, best best of luck to you in that, man. And if, if you ever write anything else or want to come back or anything, we'd love to, to help promote that as well because I think it's great. Yeah. yeah, well, I'd just love to come back if you're ever lonely. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Cool, man. Awesome. awesome. Well, Shane, Shane Page, Frog by Frog is the blog. Again, we'll have links in the show notes. Thanks again for your time, man. Yes, thank you. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash puispod, or just tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of the links and our social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from either of us outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests. And my podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought.